You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. My name is Ed Frank. I am NCBA's Senior Director of Policy Communications. And joining us this week is the man, the myth, the legend, Ethan Lane. Ethan, of course, is the Executive Director of NCBA's Federal Lands and the Public Lands Council. Ethan, thanks a lot for joining us again. Thanks for having me, Ed. Okay, well, the end game is rapidly approaching. We talked with Colin Woodall about this last week. Um, Congress is back in session after an August recess, um, and they're trying to get everything done basically in the next couple of weeks um, so they can go out and hit the campaign trail, um, which means that there's a lot of stuff moving on the, on the Hill or not moving, and, but needs to start moving pretty quickly since we do have these deadlines coming up. Um, you and I talked probably a couple of months ago about the Endangered Species Act uh, modernization effort. Uh, Governor Matt Mead from Wyoming testified uh, up on Capitol Hill. There's legislation. Um, what has been going on? We've been running a campaign, a media campaign with videos in support of this effort. Um, but what's going on on Capitol Hill and what are, you know, what are the chances that we're going to get something done? There seems to be a lot of bipartisan um, and cross-ideological um, agreement that we need to do something, but it hasn't really moved up on Capitol Hill yet. What's going on up there? Well, you're you're right, as was Colin last week. This is sort of moving day up on Capitol Hill. We are in the end game of the 115th Congress. Uh, for everyone who doesn't understand what that means, when we get to midnight on, on uh, December 31st, you, you flip the the game board over and you start over. Any legislation that was pending has to be reintroduced. You have a new Congress starting and, and, and the game totally changes. So that puts a lot of pressure on any of these issues we've been working for the past two years of this Congress. Uh, the Endangered Species Act modernization effort obviously is a key part of that for those of us um, in my end of the world. And we're at a point in that process where um, both the Senate staff that's been working this uh, uh, this issue and Senator Barrasso's um, uh, Energy or Environment and, and Public Works Committee, um, as well as uh, uh, House Republicans in the natural resources world um, and the administration in their rulemaking are all sort of having this conversation at once about what we can get done in the next few months. Um, and you're exactly right. You know, we have some of these conservation focused groups that see a lot of value in this bipartisan package that's been put together. They're even recognizing value in the administration's rulemaking on this on this effort. So what we're what we're doing now is is that kind of delicate dance of trying to figure out very quickly what can be put into a year end package, what can get through before the election, what might need to be part of the uh, the lame duck session math. And all of those things are tied up in the in the very high stakes game of who's going to win control of Congress in November. So right now, our focus is on looking at what's real, what's a figment of somebody's uh, uh, aspirational imagination and, and, and what's really going to be moving out of the station as far as legislative trains are concerned to attach this bill to in the next few months. Um, just yesterday, we saw the House Natural Resources Committee strike a fairly wide ranging bipartisan uh, agreement on some issues that are pretty sensitive for us. Um, uh, the first first issue in that in that group was a, a, a solution to pay for some of the uh, multi-billion dollar maintenance backlog in the National Park Service. Um, but more specifically on our end of the uh, in our end of the world is uh, uh, an agreement tied to that that would fully authorize the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Now we have had our problems with the LWCF, particularly because of the large federal land acquisition component. We are not pleased with the details of, of exactly how this um, came together. It's not done yet. This is sort of the first step in this process. So there's a lot of time left to, to impact that. But 
because LWCF has so much support, even from um, some moderate Republicans and in particular Republicans from the east and places where they don't really understand Western uh, Western land issues. Um, you know, the reality is there is going to be some movement here. So um, in talking about what that might mean for some of our other priorities and exploring whether or not there's some kind of a deal to be had here um, is, is really where we're putting our focus right now. Um, but it, what we're hearing, by and large, on the ESA bill is all of these groups are finding things that they like. They, they like the idea of putting this to bed now and, and it's go time. So, I mean, the, the focus is on trying to see if we can flip those cards over and let's go to work right now. Yeah, it would be a shame. There is There are a lot of legitimate divisions between Republicans and Democrats and conservatives and liberals about the role of government. It's unusual to have something where you do have so much bipartisan consensus and people are ready to make a deal, it would be a real shame to see it, you know, the opportunity slip by. So what can folks do um, to maybe light a fire uh, up on Capitol Hill these next couple of weeks? Well, you know, what we'd ask is, is, is that they keep doing what they're doing. We've had so much positive support from states like Florida, North Carolina and Virginia and places where you don't normally expect to hear about the Endangered Species Act. But in fact, they have some of the highest listed species totals in the country. And, and those folks in those states reaching out to their elected representatives and saying, hey, this is important to us too. make a deal figure this deal out um, has has really been beneficial. Keeping that pressure on in the next few months is going to be critical. Um, helping some of those moderate Democrats who see a political future for themselves, wanting to appeal to a larger uh, uh, group of people. Um, what a great opportunity for them to show rural America that they are sensitive to those issues that are impacting the West negatively, that are impacting cattle producers around the country negatively. Um, boy, what an opportunity for somebody who's maybe not wanting to go the socialist route of the Democratic Party, but instead wants to appeal to the, um, you know, those middle American voters, um, you know, we're sure encouraging them to, to, to jump on early because this really is a, a, a bright spot of bipartisan compromise in an otherwise pretty hyperpartisan environment. Um, so we, we see this as a real opportunity for, for Democrats to jump on. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, a lot of times people are, are quick to criticize people who don't vote the right way or the way that they want them to vote. But just a simple thank you um, to somebody for getting on board is, is very important as well and, and can pay dividends down the road. Um, uh, finally, uh, just want to give you a chance to talk about the PLC 50th anniversary meeting that's coming up in Park City, uh, Utah in a couple of weeks. How's that coming together and, and how can folks get registered for that? Um, it's coming together uh, really, really well. We are obviously in the short grass here, 10 days to go. Um, and uh, so uh, the, the, the cake is pretty much baked at this point. We are really excited about the way it's turned out. We have um, the heads of all the major agencies coming uh, to spend time with us in person. Um, we're going to have a full suite of speakers. We're going to have a, a lot of time spent on the history of PLC. You know, it's been really cool over the last few months to go through that 50 years of history, to look at the original memos from the late 60s outlining the fact that, you know, we're experiencing this fundamental change in the way land is managed in the West, and we better be ready for it, and we better have an organization that's prepared to defend the industry in the West specifically, that's working in concert with with at that time you know the National Cattlemen's Association and um, it's just been so much fun to look at that history and trace it from from then to now and and you know some of the minutes from those meetings 40 years ago could be minutes from one of our meetings two years ago you know I mean some of those issues have have been in force and, and impacting producers all of that time and you know you, you you really get to see that arc of of our 
impact on those on those things and, and where we're going um, in the next 50 years. So this will be a real chance to reflect on that. We're going to have a lot of past presidents there to talk about their different eras in office. Um, and and uh, it's going to be a real chance to, to celebrate 50 years. So uh, we're looking forward to it and looking forward to seeing everybody. Okay, Ethan Lane, do you, I know you got to run back up to the hill. Uh, so we'll let you go. But thanks for joining us and uh, best of luck uh, with the PLC meeting in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Ed. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat beef. Check us out online at beefusa.org and follow us on Twitter at, at @BeltwayBeef. Thanks for listening.